Welcome to the Zen and Meditation Podcast, where we seek balance in all things in life. Wait, Jeff, I think you've been hosting too many podcasts and you've gotten confused with where we are. Last week, we were, uh, as of Saturday, we both were so Zen. We just took a look at each other and we were like, man, I just feel great. I don't feel like stressed out on the edge of my seat, clutching. Um, to the results of the games. Yeah, we're both Zen now. We feel really good, but in a different way. So Jeff was in a dark place for a long time with his fandom for Michigan, but now that darkness has lifted. And, and it's I because actually- it's because nothing matters anymore. Like we're not going to make the title game. We're not going to make Indianapolis. We're not going to make the playoffs. Maybe we win some of these rival games. Maybe we don't. And I feel like we're just, you know, we're just a weight's been lifted off my shoulders. And I think maybe that's part of it too, the product on the field, the player expectations. So when I said, yeah, nothing matters. It's just fine. And you just looked at me and you're like, that's dark, man. Right? (laughs) I still feel like it's a very dark way to look at things. You should celebrate the wins that your team has. And if you make it to a decent bowl, go play your hearts out. That's my opinion. Yeah. And and how happy were you, right? Like you're kind of Ben. How happy were you? You're literally dancing in the streets. Um, We're bowl boungers. So excited. Six wins. First bowl in over a decade. First time we were bowl bound in October, I think for over 25 years. So it's great. Best Indian team, at least for a quarter century, right? To bowl qualify Mm -hmm. before November. That's right. And at dinner, you said to me, just after you were dancing and so happy, you said, Jeff, you have brought me so much happiness. I thank you so much. And I just sit there and I look at you and I'm like, I don't know if that's true. Like 20 minutes ago, you were so worried about whether or not you would win or not. So I don't think that I really, I've really given you a box of darkness, but you have taken the box of darkness being IU fandom when I suggested, oh, maybe you should watch some IU football. When was that? What year did I make that suggestion? 2017? You, you did at the, right before the 2018 season. Yeah, and so and so I gave you a box of darkness, and you're like, oh, no, I'm so happy. But how are you feeling about the box of darkness at the moment? At the moment, I'm feeling great. But Jeff's right. Even during the Nebraska game, I was in a bad mood the entire first half just because the game was really close. I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to pull the W. And I would say the, the last time I really felt the box of darkness was the game against MSU. Just Which because we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in a second. But it was um, so but... typical. And I, I definitely felt weird for a day or two after that game. Kind of Shades of 2018, right? Like the, the yeah. crazy win probability up and then losing the last minute. That was how your 2018 season. But I think, I think is, it, is it safe to say now that you are bowl eligible and that's sort of the standard at Indiana, is it safe to say that those near misses are what got you and got your team's chemistry to what it is now? I think like that's that, a very fair thing to say. Yeah, like that is what it took to get us here. 
Mm-hmm. And it, it was it was worth all the pain. In any case, welcome to episode 10, week nine of Who Who Hail. I am here with my co-host, Scott Frost, a mean and elitist man. And I'm here with my lovely as always co-host, Kathy Chong, who's in the top 99th percentile of IU fans with together with the guy who writes the indie star column, Corey, <laughs> her brother, your friend Rohan, uh, the only five fans of IU football. Like it was so funny just re-listening to last week's episode where Kathy said, I'm going to be riding on the streets alone. <laughs> um, but today I read a tweet on the interwebs and I thought of you where someone said, IU football is the low key thing. Like, that no one actually likes and you're supposed to like ironically except i really like it and that (laughs) i think but i think it kind of feeds in the fact that i found that tweet funny kind of feeds into the the fact that i'm scott frost right yeah and i decided that jeff was scott frost because as you all can remember last week he surprised me on this podcast by saying that neither iu football or the basketball programs were relevant, which made me so upset. Well, that was when IU wasn't bull bound and basketball was ranked 11th out of the Big Ten teams. But I think now that, and you were so upset and so surprised because that wasn't even on the show notes. I just said, I just said, <laughs> neither of the programs are relevant. And I think mostly it was because I was sad. I was sad because the formulation for Michigan football was that our football season is over before our basketball season began. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of made me, that, that's sort of how we started the conversation, right? We said, oh, then we started thinking about what schools have both football and basketball programs that are relevant. And then the clear answer to me was, well, clearly not IU because neither of them are relevant. And so that's how we got to the point where I'm Scott Frost, Nebraska coach. But I think after talking about, so we have the super sad Michigan one, right? Where the football programs ended before the basketball program started playing. And then we have the like facetious, neither IU football nor IU basketball are relevant. But I think with this bold bound Indiana, I think the more cutting and more hurtful insult that I came up with, and I I don't know why I'm out here insulting my co-host, but the more cutting, hurtful sentiment that I have against Hoosier fans. And I was just, you know, just repeatedly saying this to you, that Hoosiers is an American synonym for basketball. And to tell a Hoosier fan that your football program is more relevant than your basketball program at the moment, that's cutting. Um, but I wanted to ask you, given that that's the case, at this moment in time recorded for the podcast after a glorious Saturday, which do you like more? Are you football or are you basketball? And just let me preface that question by saying you're kind of like my little brother at an admissions tour when we went to tour med schools. And I do a lot of, you know, admissions, counseling, college access. And you have these kids who are like the last school that they see, they're like, oh, this school is amazing. I want to go here. Um, but, but so for you, it's like right after basketball season ended, you're like, I can't even think about IU football. That seems so far away. Um, but at this moment in time, accounting for recency effects, 
and the recency bias, which do you like more? Are you football or are you basketball? How is it in your heart? So I want to be clear about one thing. IU basketball will always be relevant. So I just want to be clear about that. I will say after basketball season ended in the spring, it was hard for me to start thinking about football. And I think in general, I'm just someone who's a little slower to adopt. I kind of, I don't get hyped up really before the first game or two, but this season for IU football, man, it's been, there's been so much heart. We'll talk about the reactions from our coach and players later, but you really see what the team has gone through and how far we've come. I'm excited for basketball. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure in a couple weeks I'll be talking nonstop about basketball. But at this present moment, I can't underplay my excitement for IU football. I just can't. I mean, I think that, I mean, I've been telling you terrible jokes ever since we watched two thirds of the 30 for 30 episode. But my <laughs> the joke in my head is like, if your basketball program isn't in fact as relevant as you want it to be, you can just hire someone to beat it into relevancy. And that's that's the only thing that I'll say about that. Oh, man. But, <laughs> the jokes that we're not allowed to tell on this podcast, but Jeff tells anyway, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, but so Scott Frost, the, re- the reason why we're joking the, this blatant disregard for me about the IU football program, Scott Frost, I think, officially complained um, to the Big Ten because Nebraska is an old school, the Nebraska-Oklahoma Big 12 program. And so I guess the idea from the Big Ten office is that in the Big Ten West, you play everyone in the West, but there are crossover games between the Big Ten West and Big Ten East. And Nebraska says that it's not fair to Nebraska that they have to play crossover games against harder teams, such as Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State, um, and so why doesn't the league office schedule some, someone like Indiana? Uh, and, and so that's why that, that has been making the rounds. And I think even, even Fred weighed in, right? Like IU fans are genuinely pretty upset about this. Yeah. Um, he's little Archie's dad, but he released a statement. Just saying that, you know, Nebraska's staff, he, he kind of said one of those, like, they know what they did uh, type statements and said that, you know, the staff knows what they said. We won't get into it. He didn't go into specifics. And then Scott Frost comes back and, and plays dumb and acts like and, he has no idea what he's talking and about. And so it's sort of piggybacking off of what we were talking about last week where, you know, Purdue hasn't played Illinois, right, that much. and um like Maryland hasn't played uh, any team that much because they're new. And mm-hmm. you have these teams that are conferences because rivalries, good, a good rivalry will draw eyeballs and, and really um, get people to watch. And so you have these conferences that are trying really hard in the age of TV realignment to dump a lot of money, dump a lot of... Um, time and energy and plugging pairings of teams that don't really have an organic rivalry, but they have to play each other because of TV or realignment. 
and they're just trying to manufacture these rivalries. But one really smart tweet that I saw today was like, that's not how historically rivalries arose, right? We talked about the Iqbal rivalry a couple of podcasts ago, and it's really something random. Like you fight over an Iglooking trophy and that's mm-hmm. just how the rivalry starts. And I think one tweet that I read today is you have something totally dumb and totally insignificant and random um, that's perceived as huge disrespect. And that's how a rivalry organically starts. Like IU next year, when they play Nebraska, they're going to, you know, have bulletin board material and really care about this game. Right. And so, that's so true. Kathy, you being new to these rivalries and the history of the game, um, this is sort of really interesting to see, is this going to be a rivalry? Are they going to play more? Um, but I think, and and you, it's interesting to like click into Crimson Quarry and he's been basically putting Nebraska fans on blast. And it's because the Nebraska fan uh, logic makes no sense. Um, they say, well, we all the big 10 West teams have to play each other. And, but for us to have to play this harder crossover game is unfair to us. And so they, that's their position. And, and they have to play OSU. And Crimson Quarry's like, in the East, we have to play Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State every year. And so it doesn't make any sense that from the West, which is kind of a week or half, you're saying that's unfair because you have to play one of these. Like, that makes no sense. And it, why don't you just try being out East for a change? And I think that's the response. Um, but then I came up with something also mean, Scott Frost, like where I think as a Michigan fan, I'm I think actually being in the East, we play Indiana too much, and with the fifty game losing streak, the fifty game winning streak that we have against them, I think Indiana's actually making our strength of schedule weaker. Like we play them too much, we need to replace them. So opposite of what Scott Frost said, where they want to replace a better team like Ohio State with Indiana. I think Michigan, just a little bit of trash talk from Hale to hoo-hoo, Indiana's been weakening our schedule all this time. So I think opposite of Scott Frost, maybe we can trade Scott Frost. I don't know. Like We'll swap Indiana with Nebraska for a better opponent. I think that's a really bold statement, given that our records are the same this year. I think that's actually a really good point. And also, like, all games against Indiana are stupid, like, including the two games that we watched, right? The one that went into double overtime and you experienced a full-on deboard uh, run-run pass in overtime. I did, And yeah. the crossing route game where we were at the bar and otherwise known as the uh, Coach Allen won the lottery and uh, the right to fly into space celebration <laughs> game. Um, so all IU games are stupid and I'm just kind of trash talking it, but I think you can, now that I'm recorded on the record as saying Indiana has weakened our schedule for the past 30 so times that we played. And I'm very happy to call Scott Frost and swap the right to play Indiana for someone harder on the schedule. Uh, that's how, that's how bold and arrogant I'm getting after we destroyed the best football team in the state of Indiana. That's a very bold thing to say. I mean, our, we're both tied for third in the Big Ten East. 
So, so yeah, I mean, go call Scott Frost, make that switch, and we'll see what happens. So basketball scrimmages started, uh, and I think really funny, really funny uh, tweet from Little Archie, and I think Little Archie's firing up, and one of the really exciting things about basketball starting, but I think scrimmages technically are supposed to be secret. They, there's no like violation on like, you know, talking about the results or good plays or because it's a scrimmage, right? So I think I think teams kind of accept using that to like hype up the schedule and hype up what's going on. But there's a funny tweet where I think the team that you guys scrimmaged against put up videos of them having a good play against Indiana. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the door, she's like, I thought this was meant to be secret. <laughs> and it was really <laughs> funny. Like, I thought we agreed to keep this a secret. I think that's what it was, um, which is really in line with little Archie's persona as a kid. But will you tell us uh, what your scoop on how the IU scrimmage went? Sure. They played Gannon, which is a Division II Pennsylvania school. Um, they ended up winning. IU ended up winning by about 30 points, but... It didn't always feel that way in the first half. I I actually heard that Indiana did not play that well, but it's for a number of reasons. Our injury list is actually pretty high right now, unfortunately. Um, Devontae Green has a hamstring injury. He's been sitting out. Finnessy has had an ab injury. He surprisingly was able to play for about 14 minutes or so and really brought it. And surprisingly, Al, who was fine, got really beat up by a scrimmage last week, and he had to sit out. So the good thing is that it gave our younger players some time to try things out. But especially in the first half, you could tell that they were trying things out. I heard that Justin Smith did really well. He really brought – we mentioned last week that if he brings the offense this year because he's so good at defense, he'll be amazing, and that's exactly what he did. And he proved that he can be kind of that X factor for Indiana. So shout out to Justin Smith. In terms of newer players, I heard that Armand Franklin, who's a shooting guard, he did really, really well. So he'll get more playing time than was originally anticipated. So what I'll say about Indiana basketball, our November schedule is actually not that impressive. So it should give us the opportunity to to hopefully come out and be like a 7-0 team by the end of November. The only thing that's tough with that, you know, it'll build our confidence, but it won't really build our resume. If anything, if we lose one of those games, it'll look bad for us. So we'll see what happens. But I was reading that winning against the teams that will play, they're only like quad three or quad four um, type of win. So it doesn't do much in terms of resume building. And I think Michigan probably has a different start to the year because we really care about maximizing there are different strategies given how the basketball postseason works versus um, how the football season postseason works. And we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on. But I think one strategy is to just get your team rolling and not suffer any setbacks going into the conference schedule. And then one other um, strategy and it really depends on whether you're on the bubble or trying to, you know, angle for a better seed or where you think you predict your program to be. But 
but some teams like Michigan tries to play like a hard out of conference schedule to start the year with all the amazing like preseason tournaments that are out there. And I think that's going to be tough because Franz Wagner broke his wrist. And so we're really, um, that's sort of the downside of our strategy where mm-hmm. we have hard out of conference games opposite to IU approach and we won't have Franz. So we'll see how our other shooters rise to the occasion and how Jawan's new system that they've been keeping totally under wraps. We, we don't really know how that system's going to go. Um, whether it will look like a beeline team or not, there are some notes out of practice that they have pressed a bit more. Um, so, so we'll see how it goes, but, uh, I'm really excited for IU to make some strides. I think generally, I don't know if you've been doing this, but I've stopped reading all the different prognosticators about IU because all the prognosticators are so down on IU and so pessimistic. It's basically, I think a lot of the takes I've read are last year's team minus Romeo, even worse. And that's the summary of all the prognostications about IU basketball. I don't know if you've read similar articles, um, but given that I'm trying to root for IU, I've kind of turned off how people describe um, what they think IU season is going to go. Thanks, Scott Frost. That's really nice of you, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, um, no, this isn't a Scott Frost thing, but have you read the prognostications? Like, do you agree that that's how they're worded or or have you I, not really This may or may not be intentional, but the only things I've read for IU basketball are coming from Hoosiers. So they're Indiana articles. And our take is, is that our boys want to prove that we're better without Romeo and Juwan. Uh, I mean, they were obviously great, but we have a couple veterans like Al and, and Devante, if they're healthy, they'll come back and we'll look really good. So I've actually kind of read the opposite, but it's because I think that they were written by people from the state of Indiana. Oh, I see. Okay. So they're excited. Um, Mm -hmm. That's cool. Well, one thing that I talk about prognostications, one shout out for Hoo Hoo Hale is we started out the season. I think we recorded our episode right as Coach Allen was announcing his Mm -hmm. QB and we were completely laudatory of Peter Ramsey saying that he's our boy. This is his podcast. We are all about him. We want him to go to New York. And I think IU fans, with the games that Penix have been out, I think particularly against Michigan State, you guys felt the sort of the lower upside, right? Um, but um, while Michigan State Penix, I think that, that was the game where I think Penix completed 20 passes in a row, right? And then he missed WAP on a yeah, on a really right. close. And then and then he got hurt after that. So so that was a game that you saw the upside for Penix and then some of the other games were even though you won all of them, I guess I guess the one that I'm thinking of is Ohio State, right? Where Penix didn't start and then Peyton Ramsey kind of uh floated his passes and mm-hmm. and telegraphed them and just got destroyed by OSU. Um but I think the I think with all the things that are happening with the transfer portal and media eligibility, you see a lot of teams where what happens is if you're QB two, 
and you don't want to wait and you, there's no chance or there's a low probability of um of being able to play you just transfer someone else somewhere else and play for another team where you get the spotlight and i think a lot of the what coach allen has said is he really respects painter ramsey's character for sticking it out and playing for the team you can contrast it with the folks at rutgers that are redshirting to preserve eligibility and i think it's just such a great story painter ramsey like filling in and ensuring that you guys reach a wall. So I think that's one prediction that we were spot on. Yeah, I would agree. A lot of people on Twitter are actually asking for Peyton to be QB1 now, but Tom Allen has said that if Penix is healthy, he'll be taking the top spot. I don't know. I mean, that upside is just so alluring. And I Mm -hmm. think, I think, I mean, you have a bowl and we're going to talk about the bowl factors right now. You're playing for the best bowl possible, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll talk about that, but why don't we switch to our rival watch segment um, and have that to start. So this week Purdue was the most amazing team. They had <laughs> great special teams. Their punts like reached the one yard line and rolled out. Like their receivers were great. The quarterback threw the best passes ever. Their defense was swarming. They were just the best team that I've ever seen. And they were so amazing. Purdue, man, like the choo-choos, like choo-choo hail, man. I'm laughing because Jeff is being so sarcastic right now. He's actually making fun of the fact that last week, if you recall, I had all these show notes for OSU that I had put some time into and um, Jeff called an audible and decided to not read them because they were so complimentary. I basically complimented, you know, their special teams, their defense, their offense made them seem, you know, flawless. And he just wants to get back at me. Purdue was I actually think they did not seem, good this week. They, I mean, OSU did seem flawless. So it makes sense, but yeah, Oof, Purdue, not actually good. Will you give us the rival watch and tell us, I guess there's a trophy that Illinois has now. And just to quote Solid Verbal, Illinois and Lovey Smith are in the drive for six. Yeah. We're just trying to make, and the drive is still alive for Illinois. You you guys made it already. So that's amazing. Because I think last year it was yet another five and seven year and you guys lost Mm -hmm. the bucket, right? But this year, you don't have to worry about the bucket for a bowl. The bucket and bowl, right, last year. Um, so you guys are home free. But the drive is still alive. So tell us about that game. Yes, the final score ended up being Illinois 24, Purdue 6. And the teams were playing for what's called the Cannon Trophy. So the background on the Cannon Trophy, it started in 1905 because a group of Purdue students brought this cannon weapon to Champaign. Um, because they wanted to fire it to celebrate a boiler victory. Purdue did win that game with a score of 29 to zero, but a group of Illinois supporters, including a guy named Quincy Hall, they found the cannon. It was in a hiding place in a culvert near the old Illinois field, and they got rid of it. They confiscated it before the Purdue students could find it to start their celebration. And so Quincy Hall later moved the cannon to his farmhouse in Illinois I guess there was a fire and it survived it and it was gathering dust, but Quincy Hall decided that it should be used as a trophy in the football series between Illinois and Purdue. 
And so that rivalry was resumed in 1943. So to go back to the actual game itself, though, so this was a game where Illinois was trying to win its first back-to-back game since 2014. So they did have something to fight for, I guess. Um, and they did. I mean, it wasn't until five minutes left in the game that Purdue was even able to put together a drive that was in the red zone. So shout out to Illinois' defense. Illinois had six picks with Jack Plummer, uh, Purdue's current quarterback, because we've mentioned time and time again, Purdue Wait, has he, a lot of injuries. Plummer threw six interceptions? Yeah. So that's wow. why he was benched. He was actually briefly yeah. benched, and Aiden O'Connell filled in. Um, the okay. receivers really struggled to catch balls. And, you know, Jeff, you and I were talking. We saw the best punt ever from Illinois and then the worst punt ever from Purdue. Yeah, so the best punt ever literally was – so the rules for our audience is if the punt goes in the end zone, you start at the 20 or the 25. So you want to make sure it stops before then. We also want to make sure that you don't shank it or you, it doesn't roll out early. And I think Illinois' punt literally – hit the pylon and rolled out between just before the zero yard line, the end zone. And that was amazing. And then I think Purdue's punt, it wasn't a block, right? But he like literally punted it into a guy. I think that's what happened. Yeah. So he punted it and it was like a zero yard punt because you have to stand behind, you have to start from behind where you were. And so, yeah, that was like literally the, and Oh, no, no. What it was was um, the puncher tries to kick the ball, and he totally misses it. Like he, Okay. He, that's what it was. Like, he, he tried, and his, his foot just goes over the football, and he totally misses it. Or, like, he touches it, and the ball just rolls into <laughs> rolls into the defense. I think that's what it is. He, like, oh, flips no. the kick. That, that's what it was. He flips the kick, and it was just the worst punt. And so it wasn't surprising that that game. I think those are the two plays that I watched. And... Good luck to Illinois. They're probably, which is amazing to say, but they're probably the best football program in the state of Illinois currently, pro and college. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true. The Bears are terrible. Um, Yeah, the Bears are terrible. Northwestern's terrible. So good luck to Lovey. I mean, Lovey coached the Bears, and now he coaches the best team. In, in the state, still, still the best team. So, Lovey Smith, old ball coach. Jeff, this is interesting. So, Purdue plays Nebraska next week. So, as an Indiana fan, who do you go for? Oh, I mean, I think, I don't know. I think, like, I don't think it rises to the level of a meteor game where mm-hmm. you for Right. Because I think both teams are bad enough that you want to keep them around. So that you can beat them. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's like the opposite of major game. Um, like, uh, And then, you know, sometimes I root for, it's like when Penn State played Iowa, I'm rooting for like both teams to wear themselves out. That's right? true. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those transitive things where once you dig a hole, it goes a little crazy because it's like you already beat Nebraska, but you're about to play Purdue. So do you want, if Purdue wins, it's a better Purdue for you to beat. Yeah. But then it devalues your Nebraska loss. Um, but you know, the, the Nebraska win that you have, right? And if Nebraska wins, then your win looks better, but then you play a weaker Purdue when you play. So I think when, when it's two teams that have played each other, um, it, it, 
the transitive stuff kind of breaks down. I think then the way that people think about it, it's sort of like the the rust versus gust segment on the twos crews style of verbal. It's like they'll add a chronological element where like, oh, when we played Wisconsin, they looked really good, but now Wisconsin doesn't look as good anymore. So you can inject the time. Um, but I think, I don't know, I think here since the, I want it to be a burgeoning new rivalry, it'll never be IU Purdue, mm-hmm. but let's, let's, let's root for, let's root for Purdue because they have all these injured players. Let's root for Purdue and Jeff Brom and we'll root against Scott Frost for being a jerk. How's that? Yeah. yeah I think the only thing that's holding me back is the devaluation of our win against Nebraska only because it wasn't. But you'll play Purdue later. I know, but it wasn't an easy win for us. So that's, that's the only thing. But the scoreline ended up looking good, right? Like it's like two touchdowns. That's, that's true. It was actually over what I thought it would be because I predicted a win by three or seven. So, so I guess that's fair. I mean, okay. Purdue can beat Nebraska, but by less than what we beat them by. Okay. And you'll, and you'll tell us about that game in a second. Um, but so the rival watch, I think Wisconsin and in true Hoo Hill fashion, we will not read the crazy lottery like they're the best <laughs> running back, they have the best quarterback, they have the best team, they have the best. That is literally player. what it says in my. <laughs> that notes. is crazy. Kathy Chong's crazy notes about how they have the best everything, <laughs> and it's like no, we're not reading that. Like, <laughs> like Ohio State kept it tight. Um, but they're really, I think they're a second half team, right? Like I think yes, whatever Ryan Day does in that halftime speech, like they won't release it, but whatever they do, it must work, right? Mm-hmm. It must really work. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it ended up being a laugher. Like if you hammer the over, my friend Daniel Linquist says that I'm going to Michigan State game with, if you hammer the over, you'll always like hit the over and that's how good they are. Uh, it really does... Uh, devalue our loss. Um, if you do the transitive, like, you know, Ohio State beats Wisconsin 38-7, Wisconsin beats us 35-14, so, like, Ohio State beats us by a million points, and I think right now, I mean, that was definitely the thought before our performance at Notre Dame, but yeah. now, I mean, I hesitate to say anything more. Um, okay. So the West is crazy. I think the Gophers might come out now. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, but, but, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, think- Wisconsin's road to Indy, um, it almost seems like a sure thing. But because of this, it, it just got hard. They either have to be perfect the rest of the season, and the Gophers probably need to lose twice. Yeah, yeah. So the one thought that made me really sad walking to work today was that I really wish the – and it's kind of – how you know a game of inches so i think michigan has the same thing but i haven't tried to dwell on it so if ronnie bell catches that pass against penn state what happens mm-hmm. right like we'll just have beaten Notre dame our offense is clicking we're seven and one and one of the hottest teams in the country right but because Notre dame it's overrated but i think they're still respected as like a pretty good team right um so so that's the what if for us like game of inches um, but then that one, I tried not to think about at all. So I haven't really talked about it. Like, it's fine. Um, our season's over. I'm Zen. I really am Zen. But what made me really sad was that lucky beer I bought 
uh, for overtime uh, between Michigan State and Indiana. Because mm-hmm. if that lucky beer had worked, I think so. If if um, just a couple plays difference, maybe just one, where Penix hits Watt like six inches, right, less than that, and you beat Michigan State, you guys, Indiana, would be seven and one, losing only to Ohio State, and not by much more than Ohio State just beat Wisconsin, right? Like, right. They're beating every team. So you'd be 7-1 with a loss to Ohio State. And you'd also have the magic aura where people just see the loss, but you have all the other wins. So they don't know how. It's sort of like the aura that the Golden Gophers have right now. Like the the flip side of the ain't played nobody aura where no one really knows how good or bad you are. And you're, you would be 7-1 and one and one of the hottest teams and I guess you'd still be behind Penn State and Ohio State, but you'd yeah. be one of the hottest teams going into those games. With Penix, just the narratives would be so different with that one pass. And so I really wish that Lucky Beer had worked. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think about. I don't know. Like, I don't know how, how you processed. I'm interested to hear sort of how you processed that thought that I shared, because for me, that's part of why I'm Zen, right? Like the processing that against Penn State, just mm-hmm. like, a game of inches. Yeah, it's definitely the what could have been thought, but I I I try not to go down that road because um, with Indiana last season, you could do that with almost every single game, and and so well, uh, yes and no because like this is like one play, right? But that's like well, you know, the first time someone shows you who they are, the second time they show you, the third time they show you. Right. So yes and no. I mean, yes, each individual game, you could do that. But if you, you know, lose enough games like that, then it's like, oh, that's who you are. Right. So I think, I think, I think yes and no. You you see what I'm saying though? Like if you keep not being able to, because like, I think a lot of football players will say, or, or football like fans will say, well, you shouldn't have put yourself in a position where that play call or that ref call would have mattered. You should have just won by 20 and shown definitively that you're better, you know? That's fair. I, I'm still trying not to go down that road, though, because I'm still Just to be happy. grateful for the best yeah, season that I, you've had in 25 exactly, years. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I was really sad after that Michigan State game, don't get me wrong, but I'm trying not to go down that hole. I'm so happy with where we are, and I just really hope we can take that momentum here in the last few games. I'm out here ruining your life though, right? Like I'm uh, like, I tell you neither program's relevant. And then today I started, so I remember talking to you about how the basketball postseason works, where I think mm-hmm. you, I think your reaction was number one, you're really taken by how democratic it is. Like if you win your conference, you get to go. Yeah. Initially you were like, oh, that's awesome. Everyone gets to go. It's the big dance which is kind of like the opposite of the playoffs in football, right? Like in yeah. football, only two teams get to go and they're Alabama and Clemson, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Maybe LSU, maybe Oklahoma, maybe Georgia, but not Georgia this year. Right. Maybe Ohio State. Uh, and so, yeah. And so, but then it's funny because your reaction then as IU was, what it, was it like the drive for 17, the drive for 18 wins, yeah. right? We were doing the... 20, 19, 18, 17, 
16. And then we learned <laughs> some rules, right? Like about how like no team with, I think, I don't want to misstate it here on the podcast, but no team with 17 or less wins have ever made the tournament, right? But your reaction was like, what are these piddling conferences and why do they get automatic seats? Like IU needs to go, right? Because they were taking up valuable potential bubble seats that would have eliminated IU's chance of going to NCAA. So that was your postseason reaction, right? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, no, that's very fair. And so for the bowl factors, I'm interested to hear what you think, because today I was talking to you about how it's this complex algorithm. And first of all, it's these people who make like $500,000 $500, just to host like four hours of an event, a four hour event, right? So that's crazy. But the way that they pick is like, do they sell seats? How well does the fan base travel? How, what is the brand name? And I just kind of listed all these factors. And I don't know. I think I'm just out here ruining your life, like ruining your happiness. You kind of are. Because one thing I asked you this week, and it was based off of something I read from Quimson Quarry, where he really wants IU to go to the Rose Bowl. And he was listing out ways we could get there, things that need to happen. And I, the second I said that to you, your response was, there's no way I use going to the Rose Bowl. And that made me upset. And we were talking about why. And I told you that, you know, we were talking about fan bases, history of the program. IU hasn't really proven anything in the past. And I asked you, well, what about the bandwagon fans that are going to come out now? Yeah, no, and so your point, your point was really interesting. And maybe, like, your point was, like, if this is the first team in, like, years and years to go to a football, mm-hmm. like, bowl – are they all going to show up just to get to go to the bowl? And I think for, if it were like a historic team that's fallen on hard times, like say for Nebraska and they didn't win and finally they got to the bowl, for sure. But I think IU just doesn't have that history, right? So if they're picking, and, and I was telling you that, you know, if you guys end up with eight wins, which is a pretty likely scenario, right? You beat Northwestern, beat Purdue. Eight and like, forgers. Yep. Yeah, Aiden Forger's your nonsensical hashtag celebrations <laughs> that we that are documented for the end of time until the end of time because we we recorded you making nonsensical podcast <laughs> like, hashtags last episode. But the idea is that you know I was telling you like if it's eight win eight Indiana, right, which makes a lot more sense than eight W Indiana or Aiden <laughs> Forger's. Um, but if it's eight Indiana. And they're not going to, you know, there's Iowa and Minnesota that are more historic programs with like, you know, just the longer. They're, they're not going to pick, they're not going to go into the eight wins and say, oh, Minnesota's wins aren't for real. Like, so Minnesota and Iowa are going to go to a better bowl and better the way that, you know, Big Ten has ranked all the bowls. And so it's going to be tough. Um, I, I don't know. I, I got to think about it a bit more. But what you said about like it being the first, you know, first time in a long time whether the fans will turn up like i, I don't know how much that will weigh in actually <laughs> just now that you've said that i think that's a good point so i think if this was let's say it's the basketball team and a bowl situation i think everyone would come yes that's right that's right if, yes. if it were if, if the postseason that's right if that's a really good point like if if the bowl system if and if the basketball um that bowl committees pick teams then they would pick iu 100 percent. yeah Right, because they'd sell out like immediately. Um, but so it's funny. So after we walked through 
all the different factors of the bowl. I said, oh man, so Indiana's the last girl to get invited to, to the dance. Um, and, and you said, damn, that's me. And I'm like, no, that, at least I, you got invited, right, to, to the dance. Yeah. You get invited yeah. to the dance, right? That's uh, and, very true. And the really sad thing, if you trust the prognosticators, is that IU may not even make it to the postseason, despite there being like 68 slots. Um, so, so we'll see. I'm rooting for IU, IU basketball. Will you tell us about Indiana's game against Nebraska and give us uh, the preview for next week? Yeah. So I will highlight a few of the things here. We've already touched on a few, but the game ended up being Indiana 38, Nebraska 31. So only a difference of one touchdown, actually. Um, As we mentioned, we haven't been bowl eligible in October in 25 years. So that's a really, really big deal. Peyton, shout out to him. As we mentioned, he was 27 out of 41. He had 351 yards and two touchdowns. Um, He really kept the drives alive on third and fourth down. He has really helped this team win the past two games. A couple of things I'll mention about WAP failure. So we saw good and bad things. On the good thing, I mean, he played really, really well. He, um, you know, against Maryland, he wasn't that great. He had just two catches for six yards. But against Nebraska, he had 14 catches for 178 yards, which was really, really great. The one thing we weren't the happiest about with him was that he had unsportsmanlike conduct penalty at the beginning. And I was kind of upset with that because you guys were up and that was like a momentum change. He was like yapping, Mm -hmm. but he had this big catch and he started yapping and at the other side and then it wiped out that drive, right? Because I think think with a 15-yard penalty, you guys ended up sort of having to, whereas, whereas you were in a really good position. And then the worst part about it is he comes off and he's still yapping and he's yelling at coach. And I think I, yep. I just didn't really like okay. that. I mean, I think you encourage your players who play with passion and uh, with heat. But I think you shouldn't yap at the coach, at your coach, you know. Like if he's, if he's like yapping at Scott Frost, I'd pay money to see that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like against Tom Allen and I, I don't I know. like that. Yeah, that was, that was tough to see. Our defense – didn't look that great. They gave up over 500 yards, 220 of which came on the ground. But I will give them credit for setting up two touchdown drives because they created game-changing turnovers. So, so, so that's good. I think if we want to play against you know a team like Michigan and whatnot, we're really going to have to work and improve our defense, especially if you all play the way you did against Notre Dame last week. One thing we, we got to. Bunch more jokes, right? So, yeah. like, Luke McCaffrey came out as a freshman and just funny jokes. I'll, like, run through some of these. Um, and you said, wait, is it the McCaffrey of the McCaffreys? And then you asked me just as he was running out and he was in a helmet in a uniform. So he could be anybody, right? Like, because he's in a helmet. But then, but then, you know, on the sideline, he didn't have his helmet and he was like throwing. And I was like, wow, like everything about this throw motion and the way he runs just looks just like Dylan, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, Christ- he looks exactly like Dylan. And Christian is different because Christian's jacked, right? As a running back. So he's jacked and put on so much weight. But yeah, like Luke and Dylan are like tall, spring, green, fast people. 
and he kind of threw a couple of good passes and you see that as I was rooting for him, sort of him. Like, is it possible to root for like Luke as a quarterback, but not for Nebraska? So like you just want him to pass really well, but not score, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, uh, him we, to pass really well, the defense to do terrible or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But then we also ran into an Indiana family, Indiana family uh in DC, and I was like, hey, like unzip your Patagonia jacket, like show off your hoodie, like that beautiful hoodie that has the say it with your chest, right? And so I said, unzip your hoodie. And and you did. I did. Yeah. I unzipped my coat to show my IU sweatshirt. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you going to watch the game later? And they definitely were not football fans because when I asked them that, they had the most blank stares. They're like, so what? I, are you playing? Like, it's not basketball yeah. season, right? I don't know. I know they actually see say that, but maybe maybe that's what they were thinking. They're like, yeah. what game? They, they literally said, what game? I mean, yeah. are you football? No one follows them, right? Like, it's that, that offbeat hipster thing that you kind of like just because you pretend to like it, but you happen to like it because you're a 99th percentile fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I finally, I told them, our football team's doing really well. If we win, we'll be bowl eligible. And then they cracked a smile. So it's happy about yeah. that. And then I, I just had all these me and Scott Frost jokes, right? Like, will you remind the audience about your rivalry, like your anger towards Kirkwoods and where that comes from? Yeah. So we mentioned this in a couple podcast episodes, but Kirkwoods, they've let me down a couple times when it comes to Nebraska. Um, the first time being when we were trying to watch an Indiana game a football game and none of the TVs, I think there were like a hundred of them were playing it. They were playing a Nebraska um, game. And then at the beginning of the season, right before game one, week one, I drive by with a friend and we pass Kirkwood's and I see the biggest welcome Husker sign you have ever seen. And then a tiny, tiny IU symbol, not even a welcome, nothing tiny IU symbol, like, to the side of it as an afterthought. So, so yes, I have and not this been game, happy with Kirkwoods. And that game was like the IU game and the Nebraska game were at the same time. And we walk yeah. in there trying to, like, we're like, do you have an upstairs? Do you have downstairs, a separate room? Like, I keep asking you, like, is Kirkwoods listed as an official IU bar? And you say yes, right? Like, in order for a Michigan bar to be officially listed, they have to have the sound on. They have to donate money to the Michigan club. I don't know. I mean, Knowing our visits to different cities, I think any bar that will agree to, like, that IU can beg to put up IU football, I think they'll take, it sounds like. Because that game was at the same time, and they literally turned us away. They said, we don't have a single TV in this place that has 100 TVs that will play the IU game. So, and that game, the two games are at the same time. So, in true Scott Frost insult Indiana fashion, I turned to you (laughs) and I said, hey, Kirkwoods, like, this game... IU is playing Nebraska. This game is at the same time. And for once, for a game at the same time, Kirkwood is going to fulfill its contractual obligations. Yeah, and that's actually a true statement. I'm sure they did. Yeah. And so uh, we're, um, so the other funny thing is, so you've been telling me that Logan Justice is great, right? He's awesome. Yeah. I said, I will rely on that guy for anything i trust him so much uh and so it's funny because i think you're still learning about how the jinx work right mm-hmm. so so you said you so like i i think 
and and you know i have all these crazy superstitions for like what is a jinx and what's not a jinx and every every sports fan has like a different version of it right but so and so you said just as logan justice walks up to take an extra point you say he hasn't ever missed an extra point every year i trust him so much and then he and then he misses right he missed it right it wasn't even a field goal it was an extra point and he misses right after you say that and then you turn to me and you're like oh my god i jinxed him oh my god i jinxed him yeah i freaked out and and i told you i said caddy two things one at some point your kicker is going to miss an extra point like that's why you kick it that's why it's seven points that's why (laughs) you know a touchdown doesn't make sense and if you say that he's reliable after every single time he kicks an extra point, the one that he misses, you'll have jinxed him no matter what. So like you say that every time. So I don't know if it's a jinx. It's just that you say it every time. I do say it every time. <laughs> yeah, so maybe it's not a jinx. I don't know. Like maybe it is a jinx. Maybe it's a jinx that you say all the time. I don't know. But so so some questions, right? So is Indiana good or not? And I sort of started saying this, right? Which is that if you guys had beat MSU, no one have it, would have a clue as to what the answer to this question is, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you were like, you said, explain this to me. You said like, you felt exposed somehow. Like, like you know how like, this is sort of like when I said I felt personally humiliated by the performance yeah, of the Michigan the offense Iowa, in the second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you told me, I, I didn't fully understand this when you said you felt exposed. Because I think, you know, when me, Crimson Quarry, I think even Dan and Ty on Solid Verbal, we've all been so complimentary of IU's playing this season for the most part. And I just had it in my head that Indiana football is such a good team this year. And I think, like, it's Kalen DeBoer, right? It is. Yeah, it definitely is And I think Alan might need to, you know, stay up till 2 a.m. again. He might need to. Um, yeah, but because uh, he is really a good defensive coach, um, I think. Um, but so, but but this is this is definitely like I think on. I haven't checked this week's SP, but I think last week's SP, you guys were twenty third, and then like offense was fourteen and defense was forty two, right? And I think so. Yeah. This all these compliments are on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I think the first half during Nebraska, our offense was okay. I mean, our defense definitely needed some help. I mean, Nebraska was just moving the ball like crazy, but I, I just didn't feel like we were playing that great the first half. And I, that's why I told you I felt exposed. Cause I was like, everyone thinks we're so good. We're, you know, that's all the hype. And we don't look that great this first half. And your response to me is that it's no like, one thinks Indiana. Yeah. Great. I don't think you have to worry about that. Right. <laughs> and, and it's funny because I, I just have this sort of deadpan where like, don't worry, no one's thinking about you, right? Like, this is, yeah. like, for IU, for Kathy Chong as a person, it's like, no one cares. Like, no one thinks about you. It's like, okay, it's fine. Uh, but I think the other question that was really funny was when you asked me, so I won't ruin this because um, I want who to describe it. But when you asked me, man, are people roasting Coach Ellen oh, yeah. for, like, his post-game, like, conference, his post-game interview? And I said, 
I think you are one of five people that watched it. Like you, <laughs> me, Chris and Corey, like the reporter, and maybe your brother. Like no one watched yeah. it, so they're not going to roast him. Like no one's talking about IU. Like it, although, although I will say, uh, I will say that we were waiting for Solid Verbal to talk about IU, and they saved IU for the very last Big Ten team. They did, they asked, which we were all so excited about. Let's backtrack. Okay, so what happened there? We so I'm driving in the car. And we had just listened, you know, we knew that Indiana had just beat Nebraska. And you had and already we, done your dance on your jig on yes, the street. I had already like, danced so, in the street. So yep. to portray your emotions, it was like you're at dinner and you're like, I can't watch. I can't watch. I'm so mad. I can't watch. This is so close. Like, I think at a moment you were like, Are we going to be five and seven, Diana, again? Yeah. And I was I, you're I was so mad. Happy. And then when the game ended, you're like, Thanks for giving me this happiness. And then <laughs> and I was like, um, like are you fan much? <laughs> but <laughs> but then and then you did your jig on the street and then we're driving. So that's the order of is that right? Yes. That's the progression of how the order of my emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm driving and you were like, oh my gosh, you need to see this. Yeah, and I guess like the the order of emotions is more like it's like I you I you I you up till the end, right? Like all of it is still, but then you actually pull it out. So it's the opposite of like what uh, happened all last year yeah yeah exactly or what it's like to be an iu football fan so this yeah. year i think i think i think what we came up with this podcast is very true like it took those swings and to almost be there last year to actually make it this year yeah but let's talk about tom allen i mean talk about a guy who loves his team oh yeah and, yeah so so you did your jag yeah. and you're driving and yeah. then i'm like oh man you must watch this video yep and do you want to say it or do I want to say it? No, you, you. It's all you, girl. All you, all you. All right. Well, he was crying. Um, he was on camera talking to the reporter, and he was just talking about how special this win was. You know, the team had gone through really hard times, things that folks don't even know about. And he he was crying for, for six wins, which I found so endearing. And I mean, hey, like, kudos to him. Like, best team in 25 mm -hmm. years. As I said, that's the standard in Indiana, and he made it. Like I think he was, I think he was like, um, he said that there are three. He was kind of cryptic, right, from that press conference. He said we had three goals to start the year, three goals, and I think one of the goals, which I think is a really good goal for Indiana, was win a bowl game. Yeah, I remember that. But he didn't say what the other two were. So yeah, he didn't. He didn't say. But so it's going back to him crying. I mean, if something if Jim Harbaugh did something like that, he would be roasted. You'd they get fired. Yeah. Feed after feed, he'd probably get fired. And you and were so and I, you were worried that Coach Allen would get roasted, but when I, I, told I you, thought there would be a lot of Twitter feeds on Tom Allen, like I told you, like top trending. Nobody and, watched it, like other than you. <laughs> I really thought he would be trending. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean the the hoo hoo hail part of me thinks that's awesome that passion right like mm -hmm. and i think you brought up that twitter hole where after that loss to Ohio oh, State, yeah. all these people were like screw him he's a cheerleader he didn't do anything mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but i think no one i don't want to hear after like bullbound indiana i don't want to hear anything negative about coach allen like he took the program either. somewhere that it has never been in 25 years i agree i i feel like one, he actually knows what he's doing to do that with our program. 
And two, I just think this guy would coach for free. Like he loves. I don't know that that's true. I think you, again, you might be too excited. I don't think that's true. I think it's an industry. (laughs) Like, because he's not even, he's not even like an alumni coach. You know, we were talking about like which coaches are alumni coaches. I know, but he loves, he takes his job very seriously. He's so passionate. I can tell he loves his players. I've seen the post game locker room videos, I've seen the guy singing. He loves this team. There's no doubt about that. So the who hail portion of me is like, that's cool. But the Scott Frost part of me is like, and the Jeff Brown part of me is like, well, you're going to cry with six wins? What? Like, what's happening here? (laughs) That's why you're Scott Frost. (laughs) Yeah, but let's talk about that. So, like, it's just so upsetting that um, we saw a gif or a picture of the top 10 best paid coaches, right? So, like, Lincoln Riley is up there. Um, like, Jeff Brom's up there. Um, Harbaugh. Co- Coach Allen's not up there, right? Um, but, mm-hmm. but he, you know, I think if he continues this, he might. Like, I mean, literally, he's literally the best coach in your lifetime. The best football coach in your – the best IU football coach in your lifetime. Um, which is kind of crazy. Like, although I did, like, sort of Kevin – Coach Kevin Wilson – even though he like beat up players, like he had some crazy offenses, but he had no defenses. So it's a really good hire for you guys. But so the top 10 coaches, right? Like you have Scott Frost, who's like not winning anything. You have like Jeff Brom, who, what, what did you say? Like how much 3. does 3 he? 3.3 a game. Yeah. He gets paid 3.3 million for it. And these coaches no one talks about them for being overpaid or give, give mm-hmm. them heat. But Jim Harbaugh, like what was that yeah. clip during the game, during the Iowa game? They had, Oh my gosh, we were clip, watching right? Iowa-Nebraska and then they just put like the biggest picture of Jim Harbaugh and then in like huge letters, like, I don't know, like has lost this many times to Big Ten opponents, has lost this many times to rivals, has lost this many times. I think the big one is to top 10 teams, but you were saying, well, if you took any other coach – and put that up against that record, like the numbers would be the same. Yeah, I mean, Brian Kelly has like three and 11 versus top 10 teams, right? It's mm-hmm. just tough. But I think one funny thing is that Hoo Hoo Hill, I think we didn't jinx Logan Justice, but we definitely jinxed Lincoln Riley by saying that he, we was, did. he was like the, because we're yeah. continuing the prom theme, right? So IU and Kathy Chong are the last person to be invited, but got invited this year, <laughs> <It's Jeff>. right? <laughs> And yeah, I mean, it could be Jeff Coe, like it's fine, like it doesn't matter, like who hell, both hosts, right? I, I guess we invite each other, right? But so, <laughs> yeah. but but so Lincoln Riley is the blonde, beautiful quarterback whisperer, yeah, he like Heisman, and so that's what we said last week, and we totally jinx them, we totally jinx them. Everything we touch turns into the Big Ten, and that's what happened with Lincoln Riley. Yeah, you tell us about that game. Yeah, so it was Oklahoma 41, Kansas State 48. The Sooners came in with a 24 as a 24-point favorite. And so this was a historic win for Kansas State and they they have a first-year coach, Chris Kleiman. And he's probably and, I was reading an article about like first-year coaches like based on mm-hmm. expectations versus how they've ended up. So like Ryan Day obviously like the tweet that we read was he inherited the Lamborghini and now he's just pressing the gas pedal really hard which I don't think is fair to a coach day. But so obviously in order to measure the coach, first year coach, you have to like 
measure their expectations versus how they've performed. And I think on that list, I think Chris Clemens like way up there, given what happened. Mm-hmm. Right? It's yeah. A, the first win for K-State. What is it? like? It is over over a top five team in the AP top 25 since beating Texas in 06. Yeah. And there are a couple other statistics, right? Like, sorry, I interrupted you. Keep keep going in the game. No, no, it, it's, it's fine. I mean, this is Kansas State's first win ever in Oklahoma since 1996. And I, I think, you know, we were at the bar watching the Iowa-Nebraska game, but, you know, we kept seeing upset alert, question mark, you know, Kansas State versus Oklahoma. Um, so I think Kansas State was kind of in the lead for, for a while, and the Sooners really tried to come back. I mean, they scored 18 points in the fourth quarter to try to come back, and then it really came down to this onside kick. Um, Oklahoma had a good kick, and they had a good kick, until they didn't because the call was reversed um, because they got, they had kicked it. They had gotten the ball back. The call was reversed and you know, the play stands as it does. So Um, I actually misspoke when I told you the onside kick rule. So the onside kick rule is actually um, the ball has to move 10 yards downfield before you can touch it. Okay. So it doesn't have to be over the 50 yard line. Yeah. But so usually, Usually I think people do it, um, I think because it's 10 yards and it's on your side of the field. And if you fail, the other team gets it. So usually mm-hmm. practically what they do is they start at the 40 yard line. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, and so I, people were saying, oh, that was a beautiful onside kick. And I disagree because the most beautiful one is the one we saw against Wisconsin or mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Against Wisconsin where like, it was the only thing that worked and it's because we had two kickers running at the ball in a cross pattern and totally faked out Wisconsin because both guys could kick. Whereas any frippery, if you only have one kicker, you know, kind of what direction it's going. Um, so, but what happened here was I think a K state player pushed an Oklahoma player into the ball and it's tough because it was at 9.5 yards. So it was really tough. Um, but I think the rule says if you push a player into the ball, that doesn't count as touching. And we are at the bar yeah. thinking, like, what's the penalty if the kicking team touches the ball before the 10 yards? And Ian was like, well, maybe you get to kick again, maybe, but it's you lose the ball. That's it. Game over. Um, so so we jinxed Lincoln Riley, but the really interesting thing is no one talked about this. No one said, oh, Lincoln yeah. Riley's in the hot seat. Like, Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, I mean, granted, some people say he's kind of like a front runner, but he has never lost like a game like this. Like he loses the big ones, but the, guess what? The big ones are hard to win. That's why they're the big ones. But he has never lost at home as a 24 point favorite, like to an unranked team. Like an unranked team has never beat Jim Harbaugh like this. So, but no one's talking about Lincoln Riley. No one's talking about Lincoln Riley, and no one's talking about Scott Frost. And no one's t- talking about Jeff Brom. That's true. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. Harbaugh. I don't know. I mean, we have a lot of reasons, but I think for me, I'm always going to be biased, but I think it's because he's kind of a space cadet. He's kind of a person that's like so direct. Like, he's just like, I just like football. I don't want to talk about it. And people don't understand how he's wired, like a champion. And so the great ones are always wired a little differently. Like, every time I see Tom Brady talk, like, I'm like, this guy's a little like off kilter. It's like watching Kobe. Like he's weird. <laughs> like he's really competitive mm-hmm. and weird. And that's why people are like, if you're that competitive, 
and you don't deliver the championship, we're going to, you know, we're going to hate on you, right? Because Kobe and Tom Brady, guess what? They have a lot of rings, right? And Harvard, while he's wired like those people, he doesn't have the rings. And that's why people can hate on them. But no one can hate on Kobe or on Tom Brady. So I think that's the difference. But uh, he's wired different. Uh, so tell us about Coach Fitz and how that game's going to look. Oh, poor Coach Fitz. So Northwestern, they're coming into the matchup this week with a one in six record. Um, yeah, will the you, Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, will you tell us, actually start with the Iowa game and then tell us about the preview? Might as well tell us about that game quickly. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll do that. So coming into the game, so it ended up being Iowa 20, Northwestern zero. So they shut them out. Um, Iowa historically had a three-game losing streak against Northwestern, and we're looking to break it. And Iowa, being typical Iowa, they're very slow on offense again. Um, and so, you know, on the defense side, Iowa was able to hold Northwestern to just 202 total yards. And so the Wildcats finished the game with 64 rushing yards on 35 carries, and that only averages to 1.8 yards per carry. So their offense was bad. Their defense was was good, but they struggled a lot on third down. Their quarterback, Northwestern's quarterback, struggled 18 for 32 for 138 yards. He was sacked on third down three times. Um, one thing we saw, Jeff, because we were watching this game, um, Coach Fitz, he was going for it on fourth downs, and we respect it, but he went about it in the worst way. I mean, and, and I so, mean, yeah. I mean, he had to, he had to, but like some of those four downs were like, I don't know what everyone's doing. Like it was like four down, no one's open and the quarterback gets sacked and it's even worse than yeah. punting, right? Like you might as well punt. I know. But I think at that point when you're losing by so much, it's like, do you punt? Do you like give up the ball? I, I don't know what they were doing. Those four down plays were like crazy. But I mean, I think like, yeah, Mike McCall was a terrible offensive coordinator. So I think they really 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 need to um fix that side of the ball because they have pretty good defense yeah yeah they're asking for his head i've heard um so so that was the game against iowa and then you know coming up this week with us so northwestern i mean coach fitz has never been one in six at this point in the season um the only game they've won is against university of las vegas in week two and yeah, they have one of the worst offenses in the nation that, that we, as we said, um, and so it'll come down to a couple things here. I mean, we're expecting IU to win by a considerable amount. Um, we really want IU fans to be out there in full force. It'll be a cold one, but you know, let's pack Memorial stadium and, and show the IU, Man, the IU football teams. I don't want to call you out there, but I did say, okay, hey, you should I, go I had to a feeling game. you might do it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you, you need to be one of those IU fans. I called you, but, <laughs> but, but I think. And I told you, yeah, I just ran a marathon. Yeah, you ran I'm two tired. marathons, so you, you deserve the rest. But, and, but and wait, wait, to, like, I live in Indianapolis for sure. Wait, wait to, like, wait to ask other IU fans to go. <laughs> you have podcasts about <laughs> if you IU. Live in, <laughs> if you live in the state of Indiana, you should go. <laughs> That's a kind of cheating because you were like literally like a twenty minute drive from, from like the state of Indiana. <laughs> okay, if you live. Indianapolis or South. (laughs) That's okay. I think having run two marathons a month, you deserve the rest. Um, So this will come down to a couple things. So 
Um, Who, who's going to play? Yeah, who's going to play? Who's going to play at QB? Uh, we don't know. So um, Penix still has his injuries, and you know they're they're undisclosed. They, you know, Coach Allen has come out and said if Penix is healthy, he will play. So, That's sort of what he did so for we'll, the Michigan State game, right? Yeah. And it's yeah, funny. It's know. funny because like, um, same thing. But they asked Coach Fitz like, "Well, how are you game planning for?" potentially either IU quarterback. And I was like, Coach Fitz, are you going senile? Like with the way that you're coaching your offense, have you forgotten how offenses work? Because I think that might be the issue, right? He doesn't know how his offense works. But Coach Fitz literally said, we think that the two IU quarterbacks are identical. Therefore, we don't have two separate game plans. Oh, wow. Okay. I did not know that he said that. Yeah. So he's going senile because he doesn't understand his own offense. He doesn't understand like how the <laughs> offense is like uh, clearly different. Yeah. Like Ramsey can't pass longer than 20 yards. Right. Although I, yeah. I'd say like the short game, Penix is really reliable as well. Just I'm just going off of the 20 passes yes, I saw yes. him pass. Mm-hmm. But, but Ramsey lost it and Penix throws bullets like, like between 25 to 40 yards. Like that totally changes the game. Like it changes. Watt, it changes Westbrook, it changes uh, Hendershot, and who, who's the other good receiver? Um, there's another guy. That guy who, like, totally destroyed Josiah Scott. The one who's, like, a, a dad. You know what i talk about? The one who's, like, a dad. Like, he's like, this is going to bother me. He's like, you are a dad now. Um, they, they, the Twitter was like, you are – oh, Donovan Hale. Donovan, Donovan Hale. Hale, yep. Yeah, and then, awesome. and then yeah. Donovan Hale, and then you also have, like, Fryfogel, which I think has like a great Big Ten receiver name, but Fryfogel got into it, a couple catches. So all mm-hmm. Miles Marshall, like all of these guys, are going to be used totally differently. Like, and so what is Coach Fitz doing? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I think Coach Fitz is really smart though, and he played defense, so he might just say that as like a that might be like another like a coaching mind game mind game response. Like, so if. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Like, so if Coach mm-hmm. Allen says, I don't know which quarterback we're going to play, then Coach Fitz is going to say, we don't have two different game plans. And so then it, like, fluffs back and forth, you know? It's like the double mind game. I don't know. That could be true, yeah. Anything else about this game? I don't think oh, so. Oh, talk about the sun. Some I... coach. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, this was frustrating because during the Nebraska game, they booed. a lot of people they booed. They, they booed so much. That. They booed the injuries. They booed injuries. And, you know, you think what you want. A lot of Nebraska fans thought that Indiana players were faking their injuries just to stop the offensive momentum on the Nebraska side. But Coach Allen, um, his son, linebacker Thomas Allen, he was one of the people that was booed that, you know, came off because of an injury and it was announced that he'll miss the rest of the season because he's a very serious shoulder injury. Um, he's a key defensive player. And and so that will impact us. And that was just a little frustrating to see. Yeah. Yeah. He like definitely, his shoulders didn't look good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to close this out, I'm going to give us one quick thought on the Notre Dame game since we're over time. Okay. And one quick prediction sure for the Minnesota game uh, for next okay. week, and then we'll close it out. So on Notre Dame, Sounds good. I've been watching and reading the beautiful, on MGO blog and on The Athletic, 
beautiful pictorial depictions of all the different run plays, old and new, uh, that Michigan brought. So they ran 303 yards against the good Notre Dame run defense in the rain, where if it's the rain, you can sell out against the run, right? So you know they're going to run. So you pack the box. You aren't, instead of playing sort of far away from the line of scrimmage, you just run up all your line linebackers to have the run defense. And yet, knowing that we were going to run, we still ran all over them. And a large part of it is Michigan's old, really effective power run game meshed with some new Gaddis speed and space concepts. And those plays look beautiful. And I think there's that thought, the what if thought, right? Where it's like, oh, like, so football is all about breaking tendency. You establish your tendencies and then you can break them. But I think Brian at MGO blog is of the, of the opinion that we shifted too far from last year, we had some unnecessary transition costs into the spread. Whereas if it were more incremental, uh, we could have reached this result earlier, which may have changed the course of our season. I think my own opinion is they really need to, to try uh, all of this. Uh, Kathy, there's actually a beautiful, um, a beautiful urban analysis on Michigan's offense and how it's upgraded mm-hmm. just to watch Coach Meyer, commentator Meyer, break down spread concepts. That video is amazing. So I'm going to text you that video after this. Uh, it's amazing. Um, but so, so yeah, so Ian Book was not that great. And our run game, those plays, speed and space, is finding clicking. Uh, not much to say about the pass game, but the run game was amazing. And our defense is great. Uh, as for Maryland, I think this is the big debate about whether Loxley is a better offensive coordinator or Gaddis is. So I think that's mm-hmm. the thing that we're watching. I think the game otherwise isn't that interesting. Um, but, um, well, we shall see. Uh, we love Piggy. So hopefully Piggy gets to play a little bit. Yeah, that's true. I think one funny thing that we can kind of mention too is the next time Notre Dame and Michigan will play, how old will we be? Oh, yeah. twenty thirty three, right? So we are going to be um 2033 we are going to be 46 the next, yep. the next time yes that's right so we'll be almost 50 yeah. the next time they meet again yeah and i mean we get to lord over that score over them for the next 14 years that's true great podcast um you if you have any comments any questions uh we're going to set up our twitter account uh this week so Hopefully we can get the hoo-hoo hail handle and you can tweet us at hoo-hoo hail at Twitter. Um, thanks to our lovely, excited, bowl-bound co-host for a wonderful time as always. <laughs> and thanks, Scott Frost, for, for saying some complimentary things and also for, you know, being optimistic about our basketball team too. Got to leave it on high note. Got to leave it on high note. Mm-hmm. Fred, Fred is upset, so. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Hoo-hoo. Hail.